We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the Knicks will get their second win of the season. Both coming on the road. They'll get to play their second home game tomorrow night. Meanwhile, the Cavs, again, without key guys, not easy, but they're going to be 0-3 at home. Their one win was in Brooklyn to start the season. Now, on this three-game homestand, they've lost all three of them. They need their guys back. Meanwhile, Tom Thibodeau and his team take care of business. An 18-point win. Hey there, Knicks fans. You know what? I feel the need. The need for speed. And the Knicks apparently felt the need for speed too. Uh, they flew into Cleveland on their um, I, F-14. Does that sound right? Yeah, sure. Let's go with F-14. And took care of business against an underman uh, Cavs team to make it indeed a happy Halloween for everybody out there watching. I trust... Um, Shout out to any Cavs fans who may be watching this. And uh, a happy night for themselves. Uh, they get back to two and two. And uh, they don't have to worry, at least not tonight, uh, to going down to the ladies' room for uh, the uh, the alternates plaque. Um, they can they could stay up, up on the top floor and um, they come away with a victory. Much needed victory. And um, I say that with a little extra emphasis. A much needed victory. This has been... I, can I? I'm going to ask Andrew. Can I take my costume off now? My my detailed costume that includes sunglasses and a jacket. Um, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Andrew Claudio is dressed up as Mike Myers. I was I was dressed up as Maverick for anybody wondering listening on the pod tomorrow. Um, Andrew, you make for a good Mike Myers. All right, Jesus Christ. Okay, enough of this. Um, I I I'm going back to the monologue. I I say a needed win. With all the the realization that yes, it is still week one of the NBA season, right? Yeah, it is week one because today's today's Monday. The season started on a on a Tuesday. Is today Monday? No, today what 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 day is today? Today's Tuesday. I have my wife here to tell me what day it is. That's where things are. Um, whatever. It's a the season's about a week old, and I can't say that there's been for me a ton of like. Not has been a ton of good vibes, but just like I still don't feel like I'm watching the Nick team that I expected to watch this season, and that includes tonight. Um, I think if you were looking at this game from a non Knicks perspective, just from a, a, a an unbiased view, 
you would say this was an undermanned Cavs team missing two of its top four players. You know, you could say three of their top six players because Karis LeVert was also out. Um, that was just undermanned and uh, picked a bad night for the shooters that they had out there on the floor to have really, really bad shooting nights. Donovan Mitchell obviously put the team on his back in his, in the first half. Couldn't do enough to, to bring it all the way home. I think that is the story of the game, quote unquote. Uh, you know, that being said, and for as much as the Knicks had some stretches during that game where they left a bit to be desired, it was a sloppy game at times. There was a stretch in the third quarter where there was some early turnovers. We had the two maddening turnovers at the start of the fourth quarter that got Tibbs, prompted Tibbs to uh, call a quick timeout and in, reinsert Jalen Brunson into the game to, you know, restore some order. Um, just like, you know, it, it, they felt a little off on offense. They felt a little off. Um, defensively, I thought they were good. Did the Cavs miss some shots? Absolutely. The Cavs missed some shots. But in the NBA today, you know, if you have a guy like Donovan Mitchell on your team and you have some of the shooters that they have, Niang, Struess, you have a guy like Evan Mobley still coming into his own on offense. I get it. But still, you know, Solid player. Um, if you can hold a team on their own home floor to 91 points, you're doing something right on defense, uh, even with the fact that they were not shooting well from three. So from that perspective, we now have two back-to-back uh, good, solid defensive efforts from the Knicks, um, which I think if you were going into the season and you're going to say, are you worried more about defense? Are you worried more about the offense? We were all said we were more worried about the offense. So from that perspective, encouraging to see um, a good defensive performance. And uh, they did what they needed to do, which at the end of the day is, is all that matters. There was a, I felt that this game had a chance to get very interesting uh, in the start of the fourth quarter when, uh, again, those two turnovers, lead got down to 12. And then Emmanuel quickly, who did not have uh, his best game by any stretch of the imagination, hit back-to-back threes, got the lead back up to 18. And then I think less than a minute later, Josh Hart hit the dagger, put them up 21. And and that was pretty much that. Um, Here's the really odd part for me about this game. Like one by a lot against a good, but injured team on their, on the road. Um, Talked about how it didn't leave me feeling great. And at the same time, I look up and down the box score and I'm like, I think everybody had a pretty good game. Like, there's no one that I certainly no one I'm going to call out for having a bad game. Um, And I think even with that said, there are a couple of people that deserve um, a little bit of an extra shout out. And they both happen to play center. Maybe it's because I wrote a newsletter on Mitchell Robinson today coming off of his uh, 10 offensive rebound performance against the New Orleans Pelicans on Saturday night. Uh, Maybe it's just because I have a soft spot for Mitch. You know, like, I feel like, obviously, you can't be a fan of a team anymore without having a a particular guy that you stand for. And, you know, everybody, you know, who's in the RJ camp and who's in the quickly camp. And, you know, there are the people that are on Randall Island and, and refuse to let anybody say anything bad about him. And, you know, Grimes has his supporters and obviously everybody will love Jalen Brunson. I do kind of feel like we've gotten to the point where Mitch Robinson just kind of like, not that he's an afterthought. I mean, we've talked about this concept before that like we, we kind of take what he does for granted, but I, I still think the case remains. We do kind of take what he, what he does for granted. 
just another game where he went out there and he only played 22 minutes because he really only had to play 22 minutes tonight. Um, they said it on the broadcast, like Evan Mobley. I, I don't know if he sees Mitchell Robinson in his nightmares. I don't know if he has waking nightmares where he's a you know his eyes are open and he's seeing Mitchell Robinson you know come at him and just make his life a living hell. But I think when it's but yeah, sure, it's when Mitchell Robinson sees this team. He's dominant, but it, he's been dominant this entire early stretch of the season. I think he's been on the whole the Knicks' best player, um, and yet I'm not even sure he was their best center tonight because Isaiah Hardenstein, not to be outdone, uh, played 23 minutes. Again, moderate stat line: 13 points, seven rebounds, five of ten from the field. Hardenstein is is near the top of the list in terms of the the like you had to watch the game like guys on this team to know and feel their impact. And there's one play that stands out in particular was towards the beginning of the fourth quarter, nine minutes left in the game uh, where it looked like the Cavs were starting to gain momentum after those silly turnovers. And Isaiah Hardenstein just had a block. I think it was of Evan Mobley at the rim. And that's just one example, like the shots he was hitting in the second half, like all of the shots that he hit in the second half felt pretty important in the moment. The fact that they that that he can give them a little something on offense is meaningful. It, there really seems to be just so little drop off in terms of his his defense versus Mitch. I mean, Mitch is a special defender, but Hardenstein does a lot of things great too. And um, really can't say enough about both Nick centers uh, throughout the first four games of the season. And I thought this was collectively. Um, their best game tonight. Uh, from there, we could really go anywhere. Um, it kind of will get forgotten because the Knicks pulled away in the second half. And I, I don't even know. He scored in the second half. I don't know how many points he scored. But RJ Barrett was massively important to that game. Um, ended up hitting three of five from three. I feel like all three of those were in the first half. Um, he was yet again probably their most important player in the first half of this game, certainly changed a little bit. And and that wasn't even his fault it's because they kind of went away from him in the third quarter when, and I'll get to the third quarter in a bit, but uh, uh, you know, hitting open shots, making smart plays, doing all the things that we need him to do. Another positive step in the right direction for RJ Barrett. So uh solid game from him. I mentioned quickly hitting those big threes there in the fourth quarter, which thank God he hit them. Ended up with 18 points on 11 shots. So maybe I spoke too soon saying that it wasn't quickly's best game. 18 points on 11 shots. Hard to complain about that. I just, my, my feel from watching the game for him, going along was that it was not his best. Then again, that's probably an indication that I'm just spoiled by Emmanuel quickly because he's so freaking good. So what the hell do I know? Um, you know, DiVincenzo's still kind of finding his way. Uh, six assists. That's, that's nice. Um, thought he had uh, an important steal too. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, again, just to, when they were trying to put the game away, all those plays matter uh, a little extra. And, uh, Let's finish up with with Brunson and Randall, uh, who are Nick's two best players, and through three games coming into tonight, really underwhelming in different ways. Uh, Jalen Brunson not only not looking great from two point range, but just I, I haven't loved his balance between shooting, distributing, looking to distribute when he maybe shouldn't not looking to distribute when he should 
just kind of, there was kind of like an uncertainty, like shots that he was taking, like not that he can't make those shots, but I'm like, something doesn't feels a little off about him taking that particular shot in that instance. And sure enough, I think he was, he was shooting like, uh, I don't know, around 30% from two heading into this game. Well, tonight, seven to 16 overall, but um, six of 13 from two, not great to get to the line five times, made four or five, uh, only had two assists, two steals. There were some moments, though, where, and particularly, particularly, I know he started the game hot, but I, I thought in the third quarter he had some moments where it's like, okay, starting to get it going. Still calling his number a little bit too much? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that's fair to say. Um, but I, I thought to, on the whole tonight, even with, I think, five turnovers, five turnovers, uh, positive step, barely in the right direction. I like some of the stuff that we saw from Brunson tonight. And then last but not least is Randall. Um, the madness of Julius Randall. Uh, Julius Randall had a good game tonight. Uh, start by saying that he had 19 points, 10 rebounds, uh, a couple assists, only five of 14 from the field. But you want to talk about exerting your will on a on an undermatched team. Got to the line ten times, made seven, um, just barely okay. Would like eight, eight, eight or nine would be nice. Uh, we'll we'll take seven. Um, but he was getting to the line in a way that his process, as he was, you know, powering down low. I liked the process, and as I've spoken about a lot. There are times where I think he makes too much of not too much of an effort, but you know, goes down low without what I would call a really great plan. And I think that you you see that sometimes. And sure enough, he would. Fred had the stat exactly the other day. Um, he was, I maybe it was, yeah, after three games, he was something like one for I don't know twelve or thirteen, whatever, in the restricted area on the season. Some absurd number. Um, well, that number went up a little bit tonight. And again, even more so than Brunson, when Julius Randle got it going in that third quarter, felt like felt really important for this team because, again, love him or hate him, this team is not going anywhere this season without Julius Randle being some version of what he was last year. Uh, so important for Julius. Look, did it come against the team that when he sees them, it's like the the freaking the lights of his eyes, you know, uh, br- you know, bright up, brighten up. Uh, yes, it's fine. I at this point, I just get him going. Just have him see the ball go in the basket. Have him get into his wheelhouse. You know, do things on his terms. That's what it felt like he was doing in the third quarter tonight. Um, that's about it. I don't really have much else to say about this game. I, I, you know, I don't know if people are going to be like, you know, we have Cleveland's number or anything like that. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I wouldn't. Oh my God. Mike Myers is back. You forgot one name. Okay. Who did I forget? He's going to write it down again. Josh, Josh Hart. Oh, yeah. Um, Mike Myers slash Andrew Claudio GMAC is holding up the name of Dean Wade. How could I forget the name Dean Wade? It's a bad job by me. Uh, Dean Wade. Wow, this is quite a stat line here. 0-4 from 3, 0-5 from the field. 
uh, finished with an unfortunate zero points. And Andrew's now holding up a sign that says Nixon five. Well done, GMAC. Um, you know, it would be lovely. What would be lovely is if the Knicks could go to Garden tomorrow night and get another win. I would really like that. My guess, and I think Breen indicated this towards the end of the um, towards the end of the broadcast. My guess is that I don't know which who's going to play. My guess is Garland plays. I don't know if Allen plays. Quite frankly, I don't know if I if it matters that Garland that uh, Jared Allen plays. I kind of I fear. I think I fear this team a little bit more without Allen, which is maybe famous last words because Allen's still a damn good player. Um, but for the Knicks matchup in particular, like the scariest version of the Cavs probably for me is the one with certainly with Struce on the floor. And obviously he's a starter, but like, and, and Levert might play also like just another shooter in that fourth spot. And then Evan Mobley in the, in the five spot. Um, I, I know he gets eaten up on the glass, but so does Allen. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Point is, Knicks got to two and two. They needed to get to two and two. Um, if they lost this game with who Cleveland had out, um, and then had to head back to MSG on a back to back tomorrow, no bueno. Uh, would not have liked that. So got the win. Um, again, uh, y'all know what's coming. And say it once, and then I'll move on. Get to ten games at five and five. Don't care how it happens. Truly. Do not care how it happens. <laughs> and we are two-fifths of the way there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, let us go to whatever anybody wants to talk about. Um, we start things off with Nick D. Simone. Hi, Nick. I don't have Fred Katz. Uh, Venmo. I don't know. Fred Katz. Venmo. Please forward this to him. Compliments of Dean Wade. Oh, you don't know Fred Katz. Venmo. Please forward this to him. Compliments of Dean Wade. Got it. Eventually. Let's fucking go. Nick's happy Halloween to the Macri kiddos. The Macri kiddos were very happy tonight. Did some nice trick or treating in the Cobble Hill area. Um, and, uh, also gave out some candy, uh, but I commandeered my old, my younger daughter's trick or treat basket, which I have here. So I may be housing a little bit of candy as we go through the live stream tonight, starting with this delightful extreme sour warhead because a two year old can't have an extreme sour warhead anyway. 
Um, thanks, Nick. I will make sure I get that generous contribution to Fred Katz. Andrew P. Got to revert back to 2020 defense first. Um, I did like tonight. Um, the defense was solid. I, I Look, I think the Cavs got some good looks at the rim. Or sorry, got some good looks from three, not at the rim. Um, and like Donovan Mitchell put on a, a a personal show there in the in the second quarter, especially had a couple moments in the third. Um, and you still held that team to a really, 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 really first, a really respectable number. Oh, defense first identity, defense first identity. I got it. You know, I'm always slow on the uptick, Andrew. Um, the thing with the difference for me between this year and, and 2020, I just. I'll never be fully convinced that this team has the personnel to be a top 10 defense. I think they can be close, maybe outskirts of the top 10. I, I just, it's, it's tough um, with the guys they have that they just have. I mean, it's, it starts with Brunson. He's, he's just such a, you know, he's, he's not a good defender. And I think teams are going to continue to try to exploit that more and more. Doesn't mean they can't overcome it, but it just means like big defensive performances across the board from everybody else. And you know, we don't always get that from your your Julius Randles of the world. And uh, I mean, RJ has looked better on defense this year. Uh, last year was not great, so hopefully, you know, RJ is kind of back, and everybody else needs to do their their part. Thanks, Andrew. Mm, that is sour. Robert Cross, it's your boy John. Can you wax poetic on Money Mitch for ten minutes? I think I already did. I'd hate to see it interrupt your love note to Bowser, though. Hashtag 53 wins. Robert, you know I love you. Um, and you know I love Mitch. I've always loved Mitch. I've always been a Mitch supporter. I, I have questioned at times whether a team that does not have another option at the center position that offers not even a little bit more, a lot more offensive versatility Um. Like hard, I love Hardenstein too, but that's the only thing with Mitch, because again, what he's good at, he's great at. Um, offensive rebounding, like pick and roll defense, rim protection, um, just has amazing hands, like all the things that you want in in that archetype of a player. I do. I, I have at times wish they had an alternate to that archetype that they could put in and not kind of go completely away from what Tibbs wants to do. Um, that said, like, it's no disrespect to Mitch or it's no love lost going Mitch's way if I look at a guy who is, you know, one of the five or six or seven best players in the league and I say, you know what? It might be nice to have that guy. Um, but I know you know that. So, it's fair. Rob Delusmo, what's going on, man? Sup, KFS fam. First chat of the season. Well, thank you. Uh, can't front. Very impressed with RJ so far. Much love to you, JM. Our man, Andrew, and Ben. Shout out to Ben and DJ Zulo. They killed it last night on the uh, X's and O's live stream. I thought, I just, I always learned so much. And I just, more than that, I just love hearing those two guys talk about basketball. That's why I was just throwing questions in the chat just to get them rolling. I don't even care where they go with it. Um, yeah, it's hard not to be impressed with RJ so far. I mean, 
it's every it's shootings there, passings there, good decision making. I thought he in this game the only thing I would say is when he was in the game when it was him and quickly so no Brunson no Randall. I'm not sure if it was end of the third or beginning of the fourth. A couple of possessions where it looked like he was forcing it a little bit, but I honestly don't even mind it uh, because he had good matchups in those instances. He just, I don't know, his, his process there. I didn't, I didn't love it in terms of how he attacked those those couple of instances. Um, but he's been awesome. He's been awesome. Uh, he, he, all the crow in the world, you know. Please serve it up on a silver platter. Happy to eat every ounce of it. Mike Myers could even. Cut it up. Uh, Jesse M. What's going on, Jesse? Kit Kats are a mid candy. Reese's Cups are goat tier. Let me take a sip of my beverage to process that. So, from what I understand from people who like peanut butter, Reese's Cups are goat tier candy. I don't like peanut butter. It's a weird thing. I understand that there are some people that will hear that and like unsubscribe to everything and never listen to a word I say again. That's fine. I respect it. Um, I probably feel the same way if you said like you don't like pizza, uh, but I just it's not my thing. I don't. I just don't like the taste of it. So I can't really comment on the Reese's cups. I think Kit Kats are fine. Uh, I think they're probably no better or worse than pretty much any other like candy bar type thing you could buy in a bodega. Um, in terms of like widely available candy, let me look in here, see if I get inspired to point anything out. I'm going to give some Nutter Butter cookies. That's an interesting choice. Um, I like gummy bears. <laughs> I'm a big gummy bear guy. If you If you give me one, here we go. See, this is where it's at. Got some Black Forest organic gummy bears. Totally fine with that. Haribo is kind of the way I'd go uh, over the Black Forest, but that's fine. Oh, we got some Hershey Special Dark. I'm going to take that out. But yeah, my personal favorite snack. Great for a movie theater. Great for home on a Tuesday night. Popcorn and gummy bears. You will not find a, a more delightful combination. Uh, as Andrew puts up the next chat, as <laughs> his gentle reminder, this is a basketball podcast. <laughs> Tom the Dentist. What's up? Before I say anything negative, I'm very happy my routine of Knicks KFS fantasy football is back. Now, is it fair and reasonable to say that Brunson is less fun right now? Um, yeah. That's fine. Um, sums off. And I'm not I'm not gonna kill him or anything, or I'm not gonna like be like, oh, we we gotta move on from Jalen Brunson or anything like that. But it is a reminder, you know. And we say this about Julius Randle all the time, right? When Julius Randle is not at peak or near peak efficiency, like, is he a guy that you really love having on your team? Because, like, what else does he add? Um, what else does he take away? Brunson's a different sort of guy, and, like, he goes about his business very differently, and I don't think I need to speak anything more on that because it should be obvious. But when his offense isn't, like, when he's he's not crossing his T's and dotting his eyes and he's not on his on his P's and Q's to use all my letter analogies. Um it it does leave you feeling a little empty because like, yeah, he'll still, you know, draw the occasional offensive foul from the other team and like 
he if he's not hitting a shot on the inside, he's he's and this credit to him, he's improved this part of his game vastly. Could still knock down a shot from three. He doesn't. I know some people will disagree with this. I don't think that he will like commandeer possessions when it is very clear that he should not be. Um, I feel like there's a pretty good balance that maybe doesn't look as good because of the position he plays. And granted, if you're a, a point guard, you should you you know you should have that balance perfect. Like when you don't got it, like figure out ways to get others involved. The point is last year, we didn't even really need to consider what is Jalen Brunson when he's not magnificent offensively because he was magnificent offensively. Like, I don't know, 85%, 90% of the time. And that hasn't really been the case. He had the big three point barrage against Atlanta. And then other than that, it's been like, "Mm, this isn't great. Um, I'm confident he'll be fine. Um, But it is certainly fair to point out that he is a different sort of player in that sense from others from your, from your like super duper stars in the league. Thanks Tom. Appreciate you. Robert cross with another one. First time, long time. It's your boy, John. Is it too early to build my KFS holiday wish list? More usage for Grimes is at the top. Fuck's sake. Hashtag 53 wins. Um, Let's do our, our nightly Grimes check in. I want to say he got four shots, five shots tonight. Four shots in 22 minutes. One of three from three. Yeah, I mean, a lot of mouths to feed. I, I mean, I, I don't know what what what's supposed to change. What I mean, Jalen Brunson took 16 shots tonight. RJ Barrett took 13 shots tonight. Julius Randle took 14 shots tonight. None of those numbers are absurd. Um, I thought Grimes' looks were good. Um, I would obviously would have to go back and rewatch to see if there were any obvious instances where Grimes should have got the ball and didn't. Um, but like I, I don't know. I thought the Knicks' offensive process—it was a little bit too much one-on-one tonight. I'll, I'll give you that. But that's that's how they that's how they get into their offense, and then things flow from there. Um, yeah, I mean it. It needs to be a collective effort to get him more looks, get him better looks, and that includes the coach. Obviously, wouldn't 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 hurt to you know draw up a play every now and then designed to you know get him the ball. But then, as I say that, I have to remind myself like Grimes is always an option on every play, you know, and they don't draw plays where it's like this is designed to get this person this shot. It's like we're going to run this play. It's designed to create this advantage. And then based on what the defense does with the advantage that you have hopefully created, that dictates the next play. So it's, you know, it's not really like that's just their offense. That's what they do. Um, I'd love if he got more shots. Thanks, Robert. Kevin Danishevsky. What's going on, Kev? Good win. Needed that. I agree. Wonder if Isaiah Hardenstein will be asked to finish more with Dante DiVincenzo struggling to do that. Um, massive game for him. Good to see Julius get going. IQ is awesome. I, I did, I'm not going to push back too hard because I, I'm not going to push back too hard, but I just, I thought we, I've seen awesome quickly games. I didn't get the sense that this was an awesome quickly game. It was, it was fine. Um, I could be wrong. 
in terms of if iHeart will be asked to finish more with DiVincenzo struggling to do that. Um, I mean, DiVincenzo, like, you mean struggling around the rim? is That's what I'm assuming Kevin means here. Um, and like, but like, I don't know that one would have anything to do with the other. I just think has a, Hardenstein is a guy who has skill with the ball, like six, seven, eight feet out, and he should use that. And I'm really happy to see him using it. DiVincenzo just needs to like hit his shots around the rim, which is something he's always kind of struggled with. Thanks, Kev. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Anthony Sixto, considering the offseason variables and tough schedule, none of the blemishes strike me as things that can't, won't get fixed. I completely agree, which is why nobody has seen me come on here and like lose my mind about any of this. They're scuffling. It happens. Not a big deal. Um, if RJ's three is real, I'm beyond hyped for their midseason form. Hashtag Windler season. Um, yeah, I think, I think we all trust that they're going to get rolling. At some point, that they're going to pull it together, that they're going to, the, the whole will once again be greater than the sum of its parts. Um, I think that's really well said. I, I don't really have anything to add, Anthony. I think that's a really smart comment. And I wish more people like processed this team and their fandom in that way. Like, hey, let's have patience. <laughs> you know, patience is a good thing. Um, well said. Hush, what's going on, Hush? That felt like a very flat blowout. Okay, Hush. Here, here's Hush bringing the bringing the criticism. I don't know how to describe it, but at some point, this team looked terrible all around. A lot of issues still. It, it game four, you know, it's, it's game four, and I this this strikes me as one of those comments. I'm not saying this is you, Hush. I'm not saying this is you, but I've been trying to just like mainline basketball every night. Which is why, like, it's game four, and I feel like I'm already exhausted, because um, I'm just staying up every night until my eyes can't stay open anymore. Watching, it, flipping around, the amount of teams out there who are like look exactly like the Knicks look, maybe in a different sort of way, but who just look off, and you're like, man, that team's not doing that. That team's not. There's there's one team that looks fucking awesome right now, and it's Denver. Boston has looked good. They haven't played a whole lot. They haven't played great competition. Um, they beat Washington by a million points, which like that great. Who cares? Um, Golden State looks has looked pretty good, but like okay, those are the two teams that Golden State's been together longer than anybody. Denver's the reigning champion. 
Boston is the favorite this year in a lot of people's books. Like I'm most teams right now look more or less like the Knicks look, which is like some good, some bad. Um, it's a result of like preseason used to be eight games, nine games. Now it's four games. Um, so the ramp up is just not what it used to be. And, uh, it, you know, you, you, considering the first four games, three out of four on the road, the home game is against maybe the best team in the league. None of the three road games are picnics to come out of this at two and two. You, you got to feel okay. Thanks. Hush. Drazov, what's going on, Drazov? Appreciate you always chiming in. Um, been seeing you a lot. With their improvement in three-point uh, shooting so far, we'll kindly ignore the New Orleans game. Um, do you see the percentage being susceptible this season or early season bias? Oh, sustainable this season. Those two very different things. Do you see the percentage being sustainable this season or early season bias? Much love to the KFS crew and families as we approach the holidays. Thanks so much. That was really kind. Um, same to you. Much much love to you and your family. So the I I mentioned how the the Cavs didn't shoot very well on three. I should have obviously mentioned that the Knicks shot pretty well from three, thirty eight percent on thirty four attempts. Um, um, hmm. Trying to think. We talked all, not all preseason. We mentioned a few times since the end of last year that the Knicks three point shooting should improve, and we went player by player and we looked at okay this guy should be better that guy should be better this guy should be a lot better this guy should be a little bit like so on and so forth so from that perspective i'm not sure i feel like anybody on the team right now is shooting so far above their head that it is um not sustainable um so i'm not worried you know I mean, do they beat Atlanta if Brunson doesn't go eight for 12 from three? Probably not. Uh, then again, like quickly went one of nine from three against Atlanta. So like those two things kind of even out um, tonight. They I, I didn't see anything tonight about that was an outlier, you know, on, on three. It's like it's always going to be a, a fear because they don't. They still don't have the, that like that level of shooter that you like that you really, really, really feel like is like a, a top, top, top level guy. We think Grimes can become that guy. And maybe that's actually a reason for hope that it could get even better. If you want to look at it that way, Grimes this early season, he's been okay from three. I don't think he's been great. Um, I'm, I'll try to see if the stats are updated. Um, but yeah, well, I'm going to go through it right now and we'll, we'll test this out because. Okay. So from three, <laughs> Dylan Winder is shooting 50% from three. That's great. So Brunson's the only guy that's like super hot. He's 46%. And that's again, he was eight for 12 against the, against the Hawks. RJ's at 43%. I mean, that, that that's going to come down a little bit, right? We know that's going to come down a little bit after that Hart 36% quickly, 36% Grimes, 35% Randall, 32%. That's going to go up. That will go up. Um, DiVincenzo, 31%. That's going to go up. So I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be okay. Good question. That was, that was good. Hey, Pastor Claudio, the birthday boy. What's going on, my man? Who is that guy with the mask and the knife? 
Can he come back? Oh, here he is again. Hello, Pastor. Is that a real kitchen knife? Jesus Christ, you better be careful with that. There was a Mike Myers, uh, someone dressed as Mike Myers. My daughter, my youngest daughter, saw like all kinds of costumes, a lot of a lot of masks. The Mike Myers was one of like two that actually scared her. So it still works. Uh, thanks, Pastor. Uh, Sam L. Galvanizing win. I love that word. I hope it's a galvanizing win. A lot of great ball movement and shot making. Okay, different perspective. I, I saw some people in the Substack chat saying a little too much one on one ball. I think, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? If we hold the Knicks to their usual standard, you could watch tonight's game and be like, yeah, I thought they moved the ball pretty well. If you hold them by a standard of like most teams, you say, yeah, it's a little bit ISO heavy, but I, I thought it was fine. Uh, so I'm kind of in agreement with you, Sam. Um, saw a beautiful Julius to RJ pass that led to a sweet three. Go next. Side note is Fred's Dean Wade take the coldest take in KFS history. Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. The coldest. No, I mean, I've had way colder takes. They're from like back in the day before I had this sort of platform. Um, Man, coldest KFS takes ever. Andrew's a good historian with shit like that. I don't know if he if he's gonna unmask himself and maybe chime in at some point this episode, but I'd love for him to do some digging. What's up? AFS takes every is Fred's way take like the worst take anyone has ever had on like these airwaves. Ooh. Um you know what? This is where I'm gonna depend on some people that listen more intently than I do. And <laughs> Maybe they can go back in time and find some of the coldest takes. Like I know some of the things we've gotten wrong in the past, but sure, but not like the the coldest. And like, no, okay, can we have an honest conversation about the take? How bad was RJ last year? Yeah, no, and like, and, <laughs> he and made Fred, it before those eight games had happened. And Fred also said, as he was as he was saying the take. He in like the same breath, essentially, he's like, yeah, I realize it's kind of ridiculous. But my larger point is that the 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 outline of Dean Wade has a potential to make a bigger impact on this series than the outline of of R.J. Barrett based on what we've just seen. So, like, mm -hmm. he was kind of not that he's doing it tongue in cheek. He said what he said. <laughs> I said what I said. Um, But yeah. Where'd this come from? <laughs> Listen, anyway. I, I once sent out a. a I'm tweeted. I'm fairly certain that, like, I thought Frank Delakina could, you know, grow into becoming a, a Scotty Pippen level player. So who the fuck am I to ever say anything about anybody else's thing? There you go. There you go. Uh, Stevens Giame still got some things to clean. I'll take the W nonetheless. Stevens, you're always short and sweet, but you're, you you usually hit the nail on the head. I agree. You you, you um, sorry. As Tim says, you win or you learn. It's great when you could win and learn, you know, at the same time. Thanks, Stevens. Uh, Dan Adalgo. What's going on, Dan? How are you? Um, musings from a Nick fan in Cleveland who got to watch live. Oh, this is, I can't wait to hear this. Felt like a good get right game against a team we matched up well against. Also, Tibbs looks svelte. <laughs> I, I really got to see Tibbs in person. I guess he's doing some kind of weight loss thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, you could probably define it as a, as a get right game. I, I, you know, I'll be curious to see who Cleveland has tomorrow. Um, 
I'm happy they'll have a day off heading into Milwaukee. That'll be good, you know. Um, and then, and then um, after that, back home for what might be James Harden's Clipper debut. That should be interesting. That'll be that, you know. As you guys obviously know, because I I do these post games from the comfort of my house. It's been a long time since there's been a game where. I like really, really had a burning desire to be at the game in person. There is something about that game that I would like not mind seeing in person. Um, if if indeed Harden plays and like all of them play, I think it'd be a fun game. The 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 the, the debut of the you know the Clippers. Um, I was going to say there are four top seventy five players, but uh, Paul George wasn't named a top seventy five player. Might be a top hundred player. Hush uh, Also, iHeart is pivotal, and we need to extend him ASAP. I don't think you're getting that extension. I, first of all, I'm not even sure if they can extend him right now. I, I have to go look at the rules. I, one area of the CBA that I'm extraordinarily uh, not good enough on is extension rules. Like when certain guys can extend, whether it's into the season or it has to be before the season. And then um, I know they don't have full bird rights on, on Hardenstein. That I know. So it limits to the sort of extension they could offer him. But then again, how much of a raise are they really going to give the guy? You know, which is, I think, for just all sorts of reasons, that's a classic, like, take it into the offseason. Nick's got a lot of balls in the air. You know, for all we know, they could be trading for a, a center of some renown, uh, you know, at some point in the offseason. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Thanks, Hush. Hamdy M. What's going on, Hamdy? How are you? Uh, two O's in Goose, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, yes, a needed win. Totally agree. We are not there, but to be honest, Mish continues to do the little things. I, I, I just, I, I want to. I so all I want to do is praise Mr. Robinson. I'm so happy for that dude. I'm so freaking happy for that dude. And maybe it's because we just had that Scott Perry interview in which he talked about Mitchell Robinson being his proudest success story. I, I just, I can't. It was like yesterday listening to post-draft podcasts which were like could there be a worse fit you know a guy like Mitchell Robinson skip college the whole thing needs like a loving nurturing positive developmental organization and environment and he went to the shithole Knicks you know like it's not gonna go well nobody thought it was gonna go well and here he is you know six years later into his career. And he is just a center that absolutely um, makes you really happy that he's your center every night. So it's just pretty cool. Thanks, Andy. Um, Juno, what's going on, my man? It's very odd to win a, a game, win on a night when where the team has more turnovers than steals and blocks. But a win is a win. I feel bad for Donovan Mitchell. No way he isn't looking at Brunson with envy. Man, I I I still think Cleveland's gonna be good this year. Again, they've been hurt. Um I don't know. I mean, I wonder how much Mitchell really minds being a big fish in a small pond. That may sound nuts, but like he got to live very free of criticism in Utah. And he gets to live very free of criticism in Cleveland. Now, granted, there's not all that much criticism to give, 
because the guy, I mean, the dude was whatever he was, six in MVP voting last year and, uh, you know, almost made first team all NBA. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wonder how much he's, how bummed he is. I'm very, I'm fascinated to see what happens with his career because I know there was a clip floating around, I guess it was from the pregame show where either Wendy or Shelly, um, or maybe, I don't know, it was some clip from earlier today or that I think was familiar today in which like the ESPN reporters who know their shit were basically talking about how like Mitchell may, may not be high on the Knicks wish list, which like doesn't surprise me at all. Like they've come this far. We'll, I'm, we'll get into the Embiid thing at some point. Cause I know with the, with the hardened trade today, you could argue that it makes it less likely Embiid ever becomes a reality. I don't know that I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, or just agree with that at all. Putting that aside, though, like they've come this far, and I it would I don't know something about the notion of them going all in on Donovan or whatever would amount to all in, you know, whatever you need to do to get him. Something about it doesn't pass the smell test for me. I could be I could be dead wrong. I could be dead wrong. They could trade for him, you know, the night of the draft, and it wouldn't shock me. But just if I'm sitting here today, if you're asking me like what my gut feeling is. So like what what happens? You know? Does he does he want to go to does he try to go to Brooklyn? Does he try to go to Miami? Um I think it'd be a really nice fit in Miami. Um does he does he does he re up in Cleveland? Like, you know, who knows? I don't know. I'm I'm surprised I'm very curious. 